Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Welcome to Get a Grip with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, hey, welcome to the Get a Grip podcast. Hope you guys have had a fabulous week. It is Friday before Masters week. We have arrived. We have made it. One of the most depressing days of my entire year is the Monday after the Masters when I have to type into how many days until the masters.com a new date and see the thing change to whatever it is, 364, 365 days until the next masters. Another depressing day for me is once now the open championship ends, it used to be the PGA championship, but once that goes away and you understand that you're going to have what six months or so of non-major golf until we get to Augusta national. And I just feel like with the way golf has played this year and the way the PGA Tour is gone with Rory playing well and Scheffler playing great and Rom doing his thing and Max, you know, obviously becoming a top 10 player in the world and, and seemingly getting himself in contention every single week. It has been as exciting a PGA Tour season as I can remember headed into the first major. So we have finally arrived and to get you guys starting to think about the Masters over the weekend and in the next week, I asked uh, a man that has put on a green jacket three times. He's probably put on a green jacket hundreds of times, but he was asked to wear the green jacket three times in front of a whole bunch of people. That, of course, Sir Nick Faldo won the Masters in 89 and 90, and, of course, in 96 when he chased down Greg Norman in that famous final round. Had an awesome, awesome conversation with Nick. And I'm not just saying that because it's my podcast. I am saying that because I hope you listen to the whole thing, but I think you will if you've gotten to this point. But we went through all of his Masters wins. So we went through 89, 90, and of course 96 and talked a lot about what happened those weeks, the good, the bad, the otherwise. Talked a lot about Sunday in 96 and the moment he felt like, you know, he really had an opportunity to catch Greg. And so I think you're going to really enjoy this. We talked about distance, some of the crazy clubs he hit in to holes back then versus obviously what the players hit now. And so uh, two thumbs up on the conversation with uh, Sir Nick Faldo. I think you're going to be a big fan. And then... After you listen to this podcast, I have good news for you. We've got another podcast set for, I believe we're going to drop it on Tuesday. 
of Masters Week, and that will be with Scott Van Pelt. Of course, he heads the coverage for ESPN. We've been doing a pre-Masters podcast dating back to 2017. Uh, he's always been kind with his time and always been down to, to jump on and, and chat about that. And added bonus, uh, a couple of his kids jumped on for like 30 seconds of the podcast. I'm always down for interruptions. This is a podcast. This isn't meant to be perfect TV. Dogs bark, kids come on, you know, audio cuts out. That's part of the whole entire podcast experience. So Sir Nick Faldo today, Scott Van Pelt, before you really can dial in you know, your entire master's existence, which is going to be in front of the couch watching multiple screens. And I think uh, it's going to be as fun as, as any master's that I can remember. And I'm that excited about getting down there and getting set to rock and roll. Uh, one little thing as well. I'm going to be uh, helping out the master's in Augusta National with a, a new thing this year. Uh, Twitter spaces is something we're going to do each night. So make sure you're following me at Shane Bacon, the master's Twitter account as well. And, um, Every night we'll have really cool guests, some interesting people, people we've had on this podcast before, and some people that we would love to have on this podcast at some point, jumping on and just chatting about, you know, some of the changes. Obviously, we know about 13 and some of the action. And then once the tournament gets going, we'll be recapping the night, and that'll be on Twitter. And that's a new venture for the Masters in Augusta National, and I'm very honored that they reached out to me to help them out with that. So that'll be a lot of fun next week. Make sure you are dialed after the last putt drops for that. And then just some uh, some housekeeping items for you. Uh, Ground and Repair, the logo company that I co-own with Kate Smith, who's been playing great golf, by the way, on the Epson Tour. Uh, she had her top 10 a couple weeks ago, made the cut last week. Now in Tucson, I've been giving her a whole bunch of sandwich recommendations down in Tucson. Anyway, we do some spring golf t-shirts and some stuff to kind of get you ready for the first major of the year. Uh, that is with our friends at Breaking Tea. So if you want to check out that collection, it's breakingtea.com backslash G-U-R. And I feel like we have a, a very uh, eclectic selection there for uh, anybody that's interested in picking up a couple T-shirts over the next week or so. Also, I have collabed with Good Walk Coffee Company, my favorite coffee in the whole entire world. It's called the Bacon Breakfast Blend. I've got a lot of positive feedback so far for people that have ordered this. I actually, this morning, threw some of it in my toddy system. That's what I used to make the cold brew. That should be ready. I think I'm going to filter it around dinner time, maybe when I put the kids to bed tonight. But always nice to have a little bit of cold brew in the fridge, and you can make it yourself. And can I just read the, the what's in this? What's in the bacon breakfast blend from our friends at Good Walk? It is a perfectly balanced coffee with tasty notes of chocolate. Everybody likes chocolate. Caramel, everybody likes that. And clove in this blend rounds out the sweet flavors of chocolate and cloves with a velvety texture. I didn't, I didn't write that. That is on the website. That's well-written, by the way. It makes me want more coffee, and I've already had two cups today, which is, at this point, kind of my limit. So not going to have any more today, but I'll be excited about that cold brew tomorrow. You can order some and subscribe to our bacon breakfast blend at goodwalkcoffee.com backslash bacon. And last thing I'm going to pitch to you before we get to Sir Nick Faldo, I wrote a children's golf book. It's called The Golfer's Zoo. You can order that, buy it. We have signed copies. That's back9press.com backslash bacon order it there it's also on amazon if you want to just make it a little easier in terms of your app but we'd prefer you go to back9press.com but obviously anywhere you order it and get it get it for a friend get it for a new dad get it for your kiddos uh it's been a, a really fun project to see go from idea to an actual book in your hands and then to see so many young kids send in pictures and such of them reading it i had a dad send in he he took it to his kid's school a couple weeks ago and, uh, you know, I mean, these kind of things, you know, they, they bring goosebumps, make you cry. They get you very emotional. It's been a very cool project. So the Golfer Zoo is the children's book. Want to give a shout-out to at Golf with Petey on Instagram. 
A lot of positive feedback about Andy Johnson and I doing the Flushers podcast. We'll golf with Petey. Uh, sent a message to the Get a Grip Instagram account and said he was listening to it. He went to the golf course. He's a plus two. Said he was in total control after listening to the Flushers episode. Said he hit 16 of 18 greens, which is very good. If you're a plus two, I would say that's a better than average day. But how about this? He sent that message, and then a couple days later, sent in another message. He made his first ever albatross. He now said he's going to try to listen to the Flushers episode before every round of golf. Now, that is a little extreme, but I at least appreciate the commitment to a fun episode where Andy and I broke down the best flushers of the last 23 years in men's professional golf. Shout out Chad Campbell uh, as I saw some clips float around after the episode about some of the great iron play from Chad Campbell. You forget how close Chad Campbell was to winning that Masters back in, I believe, 09. And I rewatched the final round there in the playoff. He's in the middle of the fairway in that playoff. And it was Kenny Perry and Cabrera and Chad Campbell. He's in the middle of the fairway. Perfect tee shot of that playoff. And he blocked that iron shot right in the bunker. And Nick, actually, on this episode, talks about how tough that second shot is at the 18th. And he actually gives some advice to players on what he tells people that ask him about kind of sneaky things to do around Augusta National. There is advice about best practices to play that second shot at the 18th. And you'll hear that in just a moment. Let's get to the three-time Masters champion. All right, happy to have Sir Nick Faldo on the podcast. And Nick, you're following that Tom Brady retirement plan, I see. Is that is that kind of the plan here? Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's building a farm or what he's doing. Um, we got or fishing or designing golf courses. Um, that's kind of what I'm up to. And I just went to India to host, you know, a challenge, you know, a challenge tour event sponsored by one of my sponsors, Black Bull, you know, rare Scotch whiskey. So um, then I came back to Bozeman. It was two feet of snow. So I had to dig a path from the house to the barn for the dogs to play. And then I had to dig another path yesterday just to get out the garage round to the to the trucks. So, um, yeah, it's fun. Different, different worlds. Yeah, I've been working on the back. I see the the back muscles are uh, are probably screaming at this point. Do you have a Do you have a snow plow? You know that was something I I purchased when I moved to Connecticut, but I can only imagine where you're at. It, it's probably more necessary. Yeah, we're renting at the moment, so we've only got we've got a, finally we've got a battery one, which is very tame, just for around the the house. We have people come in and plow the driveway. So yeah, they're pretty, they're, they're very efficient up here. Obviously, as soon as it snows, because it does it nearly every other day right now, they're out there. So they look after the roads and driveways really well. Good. Nick, I'm seeing some rumors that, uh, that you might be back in a broadcasting, uh, in a broadcasting seat here at Augusta National. Is that true? Yeah, yeah I'm going to do some stuff for Sky. Uh, I mean, as I said before, you know, I, I was, I just tired of being out there every week. I mean, I've been traveling since I was 18. And then once you, once it hits, once you start pacing the size of your room, <laughs> you know, you, you know, you're in trouble. So, um, um, yeah, I, I always wanted to do the, the big stuff. So yeah, I'm going to do some sky for, which will go back to Europe, but mind you, you can get it anywhere now. Can't you just go on different FUBU or whatever it is and you can find it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that because I think that's a good audience. They haven't had a uh, champion talk about it. So I think I can bring some good insight for that. 
I want to get into this year's Masters in a bit, but I wanted to just chat about your three wins at Augusta National. You know, I was kind of looking through your career at this golf course. And back at 89, I didn't remember this. You were five back uh, of Crenshaw. It was kind of a weird weather-impacted third round. But you shot 77 in that third round, and then you shot 65 in the final round, eventually winning that green jacket, your first. What changed between the third round where you shot – you know, five over par to then go out there and shoot seven under. I changed putter. I changed putter. Did you really? Putter. Yeah, I really did. I, you know, I, I had a bullseye because I thought, you know, so many people win. It seems to be like the putter that you need at Augusta. And, you know, we had a rain delay. I was playing with Trevino. We had a rain delay and we came, had to come back out Sunday morning. So we were on 13. I was hitting my third shot at 13. And, you know, I paced it all out. I got whatever 50 yard thing. And so mentally I wanted to come in. I thought if I shoot two under for the last six, that'll be great. And I shot two over for the last six. And I came in in tears. I was in tears. And I hold a record because I I got the highest third round. And then, you know, of a winner, 77 to 65. So I got one of those funny records. Anyway, so then I, I, I came in. Um, I think I went back to the hotel for a while, turned around in a good old courtyard. We were in, those were the days we stayed at the courtyard and, um, and then, um, I came back and I had this other part of that, uh, you know, TPA 18, uh, it's funny that Ken Brown, I, we were messing around early in the year at Honda and he said, I picked it up. I said, well, I like this cause it was short. Um, it was probably a, you know, a, probably 34 and a half, something like that. And it just fitted in it. It was super light as well. Very light. It was like B, uh, what do we normally use? C, what do we use? D, um, D4. It was a C8 or something. So it was light. And hey, I just grabbed it because I was fed up and went on the putting green. It was, it felt way better. Went to the first tee, feeling fed up. Hit it on the front of the green and one and hold it. Hold a 40-footer to open with. Birdied, then I birdied two, and then I birdied four. Till a sudden that was a heck of a start, you know, you know. And then um, yeah, I mean, all of mine, I I've been at some stage been five back. So yeah, I think I was still like five back when I was standing on the eleventh green, something crazy like that. And then I saw some, you know, it's great um YouTube, isn't it? Because they somebody put out, I hit Freewood into 13 back in the day, you know, off that lie, because it was a bit damp and all that sort of thing. And and then I hold three ridiculous putts, you know, hold one on the back of, I hit it on the back of 16 and made that. I mean, it's a 15 foot putt with 12 feet of break. You send it out sideways. 17, I was the wrong side of the ridge. I hit it left, the pin was right. And I slapped this thing in the rain, went over, it was going, it was going hundred miles an hour, bonk, in. <laughs> And of course, you know, the playoff, um, the putt on on eleven was probably the sweetest long putt I've ever held in my life. It was that came off sweet as a nut and whoosh, it was in and bang, I'd won. So that yeah, talk about a change. <laughs> I mean, that's just it's just so different than what you see with modern golf. To think about a player now making a putter change in the yeah. middle of a major championship when they are as you said, five back. I mean, you're still in theory in contention. Uh, I'm sure you didn't think 
65 might have been out there, but I did you know. feel it. I was I was down in the dumps and I was all fed up, you know, and sort of thing because I just blow. I you know I was playing so well that week. Uh, well, you know, I was playing well every week and kept screwing up. You know, shooting an eight somewhere at the wrong time. I'm finishing 50th, so you're getting nothing in those days. And then I, the, the funny story is, I was I was on the putting green and Jack was putting, and I and he said, "How are you playing?" And I relayed exactly that what I just said, and uh, and and I said, "I don't know whether to um, let it happen, you know, make it happen, or let it happen." So typical Jack's putting there, and he goes, eh, "You know, I know what you mean," and walks away, and I'm like. I'm <laughs> <laughs> so I, I say I let it happen because 27 holes later, I'm going down the 10th, I think about six under, and I think I was probably a couple in the lead. And then I must have thought about it and tried to make it. And I then shot, I think I shot nine over for the next 27. So talk about a contrast. Yeah, yet I was still kind of in it. Um, and then bang, just went out and let it happen on, you know, just went for everything on um, that tricky Sunday. You know, again, it was, you know, mucky weather sort of thing. And, you know, and it came off. Where does that round, and I'm assuming it's either at the top or near the top, where does that round 65, final round 89, first Masters win, where does that rank in terms of your best play? Well, yeah, you don't really, I don't really think of it. Like, you know, it's funny. I don't, it, that doesn't really register like that, that one. It registers more, you know, when I shot 67 against Greg, because the greens were as hard as his table. And 67 was the low round of the weekend for everybody. So I give you some idea how, to, you know, back in the day when 67 was one heck of a score. So that was, that was obviously. So, yeah, I, it doesn't really, it's funny, it doesn't register, but that was obviously one heck of a round, wasn't it? My goodness. And then in the 90, you know, you, again, as you tended to be, you're three back of Floyd going into the final round, and you kind of made your hay on Saturday. You shot 66 in that third round that really yeah. got you going. And then you, I think you shot, what, three under on Sunday uh, to yeah. get into that playoff. What did you find over the weekend there in 90 that pushed you to back-to-back -back wins? I don't know. I mean, again, you felt all right. I was, you know, you started off kind of slow. And then I did everything right. You know, made a, I remember making a really nice birdie on 10, which is pretty rare. And that kind of game, you know, 66 again was the low round of the of the day. Um, yeah, that just, it was kind of what you used to do a lot in Europe. It's funny, that's it. Was, you know, you played day and two. And if you were better than average, you know, you made sure your Saturday round was a really good round. You could come from teeing off two hours before the leaders. You shoot a quick 64. Boom, you're one or two back, and you're right in it. It was kind of like that attitude in that time. You uh, Saturday was moving day, and you made, and if you were a good player, you could make something happen. And I, you know, so I did and got back into it, and then started. And then I'm playing with Jack on Sunday, and, and open with a six at one. That was a belter, you know, <laughs> in the bunker out on the green three putt. Oh, beautiful! And I just all I said was just make four, just make four down two, and then that will kind of, which I did. And um, and just kept chipping away at it and played, you know, and hit trying to think what I did. I birdied 14 and 16, closing sort of thing. Um, God, back in the day when we used to hit, people don't realize, you know, first time I hit in the round, I had a four iron into 18, and, and it was pin was on the front. 
And then with Jack, I have five iron into 18 to the back. I mean, that's that's one heck of a hole to be standing there with, with a five iron in your hand. Yeah. So those front hole locations, for sure. And you mentioned 96. And, you know, I mean, 96 is one of the more infamous masters of all time, both with what happened with Greg and your fine play. I actually think your fine play gets lost a bit in the historical sense of what happened that day because you shot 67, you played fantastic golf. Felt very much like what we saw with Danny Willett versus Jordan Spieth, right? I, I think Willett shot the same number as you did when he, you know, came from behind to take down Spieth in 16. But when did you know? When did you know that things were happening with Greg and you had it that day? At what point on the golf course did you really get a sense that I could catch him? Well, yeah, as I've said, yeah, my goal was to get within three after nine because we've seen that. We've seen that half a dozen times. You've either somebody three shot lead and blow it with three to play or you somebody three, four back and bird is in. So, so that was my goal. And then, um, you know, I noticed things were different. I actually noticed on the second tee, Greg started regripping it. You know, he suddenly gripped it 12 times. Right, or something. right. But the one for me really was the was the tenth hole. He made a mess of that. Um, he had a straightforward eight iron, pulled it left, bad chip, nothing putt. You know, and I thought, okay, now he's really feeling it. And then he three putts eleven, and I and then blimmin' heck, we're now tied on the twelfth tee, and I'm up first. And that was I made a really kind of like a match play situation. Just get the thing on the green. I made a little nervy. Chippy seven iron. Yes, kids, seven iron in those days, not a wedge. <laughs> and 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 then we know Greg sticks it in the water. I walk off of a two-shot lead, and it's like, holy. <laughs> I least she said, well, now it's mine to lose. So it's like, wow. So, so now you're back in the, you now really are in the deep end, all that trying to catch. Now I'm in lead, and I've got to hang on to it. So, and obviously we, we know what happened. So, um, but that was that was probably the best mental round because I wasn't as self as much self believing. You know, back in like ninety or ninety two when I really felt great with my irons, and then that was like I was still piecing things together. And I was, you know, every shot I was walking myself through it mentally. Going, I heard myself saying, "Oh, the wheels are going to come off." No, no, they're not. The wheels are not coming off. <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, so what are you going?" And it was very much like, well, what do you want to do? I want to hit it there. Well, how are you going to do it? And this was going through my head. Well, I'll give it this. I'll give it a bit of that. Got to, got to see this. Got to feel that, whatever. And I walk, you know, and then, and then you do it. And then you go to the next one. So talk about present time piece by piece. So mentally, that was, a, that was an amazing round for me. Yeah, you always seemed like the type of player. And, you know, we see this. I think we see it more now just because – the pressures of playing professional golf aren't nearly as big as they were when you were playing. And I, and I lean a lot of that on financials. You know, you said it, if you finished 50th in 1989, you were getting paid almost nothing. And now if you finish 50th, you know, you can pay at least for your week and probably for your <laughs> flight home. It's you, you, you don't see as much choking these days. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I'm sure guys are choking inside in, in kind of different ways. When we, we have seen a few explosions in Bryson right. had explosions, didn't they? Um, you know, yeah, guys are better, are better equipped, I guess, through a bit of every, you know, um, I'm not sure they would say that it's, I would, I would have thought the pressure now, my goodness. Uh, I, I remember 
at Sun City playing in the million dollar and coming down those last few holes for a million dollars and suddenly it hits you and you're like, this is for a million dollars. <laughs> I was I was gagging but <laughs> got in. And now, bloody hell, they're standing up, you know, brushing putts in for a million bucks now. It's it is quite I would have thought there's an element of you've got to have this great ability to just that doesn't register. If you can just you know, Tiger was the best at this. Um, you know, the ability to just this is just a golf shot. And I've just and it's it's just another five iron. Yeah. Way easier said than done. Because you you what is pressure? There's no such thing as actual pressure. It's what you put on yourself. Yeah. It's it's you getting wound up with the situation. So if you can have that ability to not wind yourself up and just stay free, stay relaxed, but have the right intentions god that's that is that is the ultimate it really is when you won the green jacket in 96 this of course your third did you think you'd get four did you think you'd get five you know kind of leaving driving away from augusta national after the win over greg did you feel like okay i can keep doing this i can keep winning here or did every time you get there every time you arrived at augusta for a masters did it feel like a monumental task to get yourself back to that mountaintop now you're always very grateful. You know, when you when you do it, I was like, wow, I can still do it. So I don't know about coming back. Sure, I'm, I'm sure you came back next year, right, trying to defend again. And um, no, it's 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 a it's a difficult thing. You everything's got to really flow, isn't it? You've got to be in the groove with so many things there. I mean, you know, the obvious, playing well, feeling good, all that sort of thing. Your touch has got to be great. I mean, I think if your touch starts to go there, you 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 can hit the panic button very quickly. <laughs> you know, it's it's a scary golf course. So um, um, no, you don't really know what's coming next. And then you know, I only, you know, I won LA Open after, and that was funny. After winning LA Open, I felt like, geez, my game. I just it's something how you suddenly feel like I haven't got it. You know, and it's and then I that was it. That was my last win. Only a year later. Yeah, weird. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned feel and touch around the greens, and so many people have talked about Augusta National as a second-shot golf course, how important it is to obviously place your irons in the right spot. I've always, and again, I mean, I didn't play in any Masters. You won three, but I've always felt like it was such an important pitching golf course, and I say pitching wedges, 13, 15, anything tight and around the greens. Anytime oh. you watch these highlights from long, and some of these shots that you guys can hit where you're clipping it, you know, with the water behind you at 15, do you feel like Augusta is a second shot golf course or is it more around the greens and not so much putting, but more pitching around the greens? Well, you, you've got to have a great nerve and a great ability to, and it is not an exaggeration to say you have a two foot circle to land it in because, you know, that two foot circles over there, you know, you have to chip sometimes down the kind of like the edge of the green. And if it doesn't land on that spot, then it obviously just will not release and break how you intend. So if you come up short, whoa, it was like a like a fish hook. It starts to hook and then it will wander off 15 feet that way. And obviously, if you go a bit long, same thing. You've missed if you've missed the banking, the groove. It spreads. It just goes away. So that's when you got if you're really good enough. And I used to practice chipping and put a ball on a tee peg and try and knock the ball off the tee. I was that good. I could land it. And then I was almost, used to do that out to 30 yards. Can you blimmy well land it literally on a tee peg? 
And if you get, if you're that good, I mean, the grass is gorgeous, you know, it has that lovely skid to it. And so you get good at that. You don't dig them. You just, you get, a, you know, get that lovely bit of speed at impact. But, and you have to be so committed because if you bottle out, if you uh, give it that, comes back to your feet. That's the beauty one. And, and of course, anything misstruck, you sometimes, you know, you're looking at water or just a big roll, you know, but there's plenty of chip shots where you just get it wrong. You miss the green and the bloody pins run in front of you. You're only going to there and you can. <laughs> and that's kind of embarrassing, but you, everybody will do it. But you try not, you know, you know it's, but I think if you're going to win, you don't do it. You, I mean, look how Scotty Scheffler pitched last year. Holy. Unbelievable. That was ridiculous. I mean, he was making. Shots that are literally 9.7 on the blooming Richter scale of difficulty. He's going chomp to two feet, tapping. And you're like, you're kidding me. His touch was just phenomenal, phenomenal. Because, you know, I always say you just got to be really good from, if you're really good from four, six, and eight feet on the, you know, if you, because even a good putt, trying to lag a putt, to two feet behind is really difficult because it's going so slow. It's not, you, you might not even hit it. And of course, if you just give it a, a smidgen more, you go six and you never can wind. I always think mentally you can't wind yourself up if you're six feet past. That's fine. Cause you know, as long as it's on the right angle and it's only like left edge or right edge, if you leave it on a bad angle and you've got six feet with a foot of break, whoa, that's a different story. That's really tough. But if you can keep the thing in the, you know, so you're always, not too difficult a read, then you get good at them and then you save lots of pars that way and you keep the score going. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game winner I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be my That's my, my game. game. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. We obviously are excited to see these changes at 13. I don't know if you've been out to Augusta before the Masters upcoming, but 15 last year, I mean, you saw so many guys forced to lay up. Yeah. I know the conditions had changed uh, as what they were expecting with the week, but you saw so even long hitters having to lay up at 15. You didn't see a whole bunch of players going for it. I saw something today about Bubba saying he was out there and he was hitting good tee shots on 13 and having four and five irons in. You mentioned having three woods in when you were winning at Augusta National. Are you excited about the changes that we'll see here at 13? Well, yeah. My, I, as I said, I had three winners. My famous two iron in uh, whatever, 96. You know, that one. Good luck with that. Um, yeah, I'm excited because I think you need, with the metal driver, you know, some guys drawing the ball is quite, you can either just tip a draw. Actually, with a metal drive, it's quite difficult to hit a big 20-yard draw. There's something about it, you know. Uh, they, they could all hit the two-yard draw. They rip right. it out and they just over it, don't they? But actually to stand up and actually, and you actually need that because you can't, if you send, I'm sure, going back, it's this extra, what, 40, 50 yards, really going to bring the tree line in down the left. So, you know, if you come over the top of it, a hair, you're going to clip that, you'll be down in the creek. So that's going to happen a lot. So guys will block, we'll be, we'll be back to the good old block. They'll be blocked. They'll be trying to hit a draw. You pick a tree out there and you don't because you can't really turn it over. Because um, you almost want a late draw. You want it to go out straight and then turn. When it hits the apex, you want it to turn, which is... Don't know how you do that one. So um, I think that's going to make it really quite awkward. It'd be interesting to see if somebody's got a big ropey draw to send it out way right, 40 yards right, and then get it to turn 20 yards in the air and another 20 yards on the ground. That would be one heck of a tee shot. So who can risk that? Uh, and, And I think with the modern driver and the such a stiff shaft, that's a tough shot for a lot of players now. It's you know it's easy for them to rip a fade. So yeah, we might see. Would be great if they they're finally trying to go in there with, you know, a bit of long iron or a bit of furniture. It would be great. It'd be really great to uh, to call that because uh, it's a very narrow target and everybody knows you. You can't bail out left because of that little scoop. The little hole is really awkward. And again, you can be, you'll be 15, 20 feet from the flag. And you're in a gully that's three feet deep. What do you do with it? 
You can't bump and run because it's boing. You know, you're brave enough to just lob it right in front of your nose. It's just like a little six, eight foot little lob. Put it, it's like glue. So, hey, it's, it's really, I was thinking about what, you know, you've got to make your decisions early in the week, what you're going to do. You need to find those spots on, on there's quite a few greens where, and I think you make your decision early in from practice, like I'm going to chip it with this or put it with whatever, you know, and because if you walk down there and go, what am I going to do? Oh, I think, I think you're in, you're in trouble. Yeah. You know, we, we hear so much about 12 and 12 plays such a factor every year, especially on Sunday with who takes home the green jacket. I, I was interested in what you feel like, and maybe it's the tee shot of 12, what you feel like is the most intimidating golf shot at Augusta National year in and year out. Most intimidating. Wow. Yeah, 12 is a, a tough one because obviously it's history there. We've talked about it. You've hit. Gosh, we've all done it. We've. It's unbelievable how... I've been there when the ball falls out the air and you've been there when the ball stays up forever. It's like right. flying a kite. Unbelievable. You hit the same club. People think, oh, yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not exaggerating. It's quite unbelievable. Um, I played with Curtis Strange. We, we, it, it didn't come down. It pitched 20 yards up in there. And we're like, we look at each other. What on earth happened? <laughs> it is amazing. So it is a great hole because it, it, it's the nerve ends. Um, you know, it's a real finesse shot. Great. You've got to make a lot of decisions, right club, right shot, right time. Then you've got to man up and play it. You know, it's, so it's a, it's a, it's a great hole and very easy to just get a bit nervy and twitch one. And that's it. You twitch it long, you know, you, so anyway, that's, that's a great shot. I mean, all the, as we, as we were talking, um, you know, 11's still a tough shot, even probably tougher now they've changed the front right side of the green. That's a brutal chip shot now. Um, you know, and then 15 is tough because um, that's all about long and short or long, uh, which I like in pro golf. Pro, pro golfers can hit it pretty darn straight. They don't hit it too. So long and short and long is very key for pros. So that's a little scary. If you mishit it, it's going to come up one yard short. Blonk, you're in the pond. Get a rush of blood like Hideki. You know, the adrenaline rush. And way. And then you go, and then you never even think you could hit it in the pond at 16 until you see somebody do it. And then you think, oh, my God, how do I? So I can't smash it, you know, bail out and just smash it because I hit it in the pond over the green. So <laughs> it's, uh, it, it demands, a yeah, like many of them, you know, really great shot. It makes you it makes you man up. You know, that is what as yeah. someone that has watched a ton of masters and calls it my favorite week of the year. And it's my favorite, you know, time to get into the airport and fly out because I know what's coming. But, you know, as a as an amateur golfer that plays amateur events, there are times in my life where I'm standing over a golf shot telling myself, There's no bailout, there's nowhere to go. This is just a place where you've got to man up and hit it and hit a shot. And I feel like yeah. Augusta more than maybe any place in the world ask those questions of the best in the world so often it's not you don't have it at 11 and then you get it again at 15 it's 11 and 12 and the second into 13 you are constantly asked that question that's a great observation because the, the, the bottom line is if you've just screwed up from the hole before you're facing it again so once you get a little bit of a negative so when you're playing great obviously you look at the flag and you think oh i'll just hit it over there and i'll stop it there and boom, and you do that. And then all of a sudden, something goes wrong. And then you then look at the same hole, you know, and you then look, 
oh, don't don't hit it left because it kicks. Don't can't come up. <laughs> don't don't go over this green. I got a big bunker on the right. And it's seriously, and then you go, okay, so start again. <laughs> and you've got to. It's that's when you have to learn be able to delete all of that, and then you've got to then ask yourself, okay, what do I, you know? Can I get my focus back into what I want? And how do I do it? And then it's sure, then you've got the nerve of hitting the, the darn thing as well. If you've, you look down and look at the line, go, oh, that looks a bit tight. <laughs> and then, so there's a lot going on. There really is. I don't, I don't think we, um, people think, oh, you get, you know, you've winded it up, but you're not there. It's, that's, that's the great thing about it. You really are asked to hit some shots, literally on the, you know, on the knife edge, you know. Was there a Masters where you called the action that you would consider your favorite? Uh, I mean, I can only imagine that it's pretty easy to pick which ones were your favorites were when you were playing. But is there one that really stands out? I, I believe you started, was 06 your first year in the in the big chair there? 07. 07? 07. Started CBS 07. So, um, gosh, that's that's an interesting one. Um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a tough question. What you have, you know, I, I always think about there are historic moments. I mean, I think Jordan winning was kind of a, yeah. a, you know, young people don't win at Augusta. And this young kid from Texas that was incredible wins there after getting so close the year before. But didn't you have Masters like 11 where you have absolutely no idea who's going to win literally until the last screen? And then you have yeah. 19, you know, where you got to call the action with obviously Tiger doing something a lot of us didn't think we'd see again. Yeah, exactly. You know, that one, that one, the whole momentum of that day, you could kind of sense it was in the air, that one. Um, uh, yeah, actually, I kicked myself on that one because Nance, I was, went down to Butler Cabin and Jim was sitting there and um, Tommy Spencer, his, his stat man, says, what's, what's going to happen? I said, Tiger's going to win. And I see because it's such a great opportunity, he may not get another. He knows he may not get another opportunity like this. And I choked, didn't call it. And I wish I'd sat in the chair and said, I wish Jim had said, What's going to happen today? And I wish I just blurted out, Tiger's going to win because, you know, he knows, he knows if these guys, are, I did say going down the, off the first green, if Tiger runs is like a marathon and just waits for the guys to fall over or run out of steam. It's going to happen, and sure enough, it all happened on on twelve and and fifteen, didn't it, with Molinari? So, you know, you you get moments like that when you kind of regret that you didn't, you weren't bold enough to blurt it out. Um, you know, that one was of course special. Uh, you know, there was lots of good ones. You know, you you get really wound up. Adam Scott's win was great. I remember all of that. That was fun because I'm I'm telling Australia to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, breathe in, breathe. All right, all right. Okay, we've got this one on the last. Okay, Australia, hold your breath. Here we go. And then, so I was enjoying that. So yeah, I think the idea was to have, and I loved sitting in that little tower. You know, I sat there, and quite a lot of the time, Jim, Jim actually would go to Butler because he was suffering with the pollen. So we, you know, the famous call with Tiger. Jim was in Butler cabin. I'm in the tower. And I love being out there because I've either got I've just got one photographer, one cameraman, David Finch or or um, or Eric, and so um, yeah, it was great. It was a, our own little world. Calling that one, there was something floating around uh, on Twitter this week about the five best shots to watch at the Masters. So 
you know, to observe shots, to see shots. Though the unique thing about the Masters and Augusta National is for all of us that have never played it and for a lot of us that have never even been there, you know where the hole locations are going to be on Saturday and Sunday, and you know every hole at the golf course. What would you say are your five that you just really love watching professional golfers hit, both when you were playing and now obviously getting a chance to observe it from a distance? Yeah, I'll try and be different. So the second shot at three is always very awkward because back in our day, we hit it to the top of the hill. So you had a slight, a decent uphill lie, and you just got a horizon of the green. You've got no depth of the green. And the wind, it's the first time the wind, you really get affected. You know, one, you can feel, two, you don't really wind, you're in the trees. So three, you can feel that even, you could even get, you could even get down left to right standing in the fairway, but the wind would come down four, that means it would come down four, hit the trees and come back at you. So you're standing there downwind and you see the bloody flag going into you. That's a good one when you know you can't be short. And so, uh, you know, that, that one re required a really, I love playing that little knockdown shot and my wedge nine, even, I think I'm, I'm sure we chipped an eight one time, but that was a real tricky one because that green's a little uh, fat boomerang, isn't it? So it's got the little crown in it. It's a very, very awkward little, fiddly one that and then I loved six because the pin's always bat right twice and that honestly you're so you're standing on top of a hill you're up level at the top of the pine trees greens down there 190 yards swirling breeze and you've really got we well, really got about five yards by eight it's crazy how small that target is especially now I feel like even more. No, it's so hard. Yeah, if you go six feet left of the pin, it's gone. So you can't, so you've got to thread it between the flag and the edge of the green. It's, you know, there's a little tiny little gully. You think, well, I'll do me for safety. And if you could just feed it there, because um, you can't, can't, again, can't go short, can't go long, can't go left. Jeez, you know, and you, so that's got to be perfection. So that was, so that was huge for me. When I beat Greg, I had six iron down there, six feet behind it, and made two. So for me, that was huge. It was like, you know, my irons are good. I'm, I'm all right. So that's big. And then I'll, I'll even throw in then second at 10 because you don't appreciate that green as over the years. So you've got, an, you've got an angled diagonal false front going from high left, front right. So you get that front right pin. So there's no bailout. I mean, it's literally three yards circle around the bunkers, right? Can't be short, can't be left. So you've got a thread, you've got to hit it perfect right behind it. Um, and then when they put it, even when they put it front left, they're sneaky. They put it the pin on 15, but the false edge still goes to 17. Get, I always notice, you know, you notice little things like that and you think, so it's not like, oh, I can just bail out left, even though there's green. You think, oh, there's a nice chunk of green there, but there's not. It's an act, you've got a false edge. So that has to be, you know, and then back left has been rolled over the years. That rolls off. And the right, the right side's a little sliver of a shelf. So that one, tough, obviously. And then we talked about 15, how it's got to be perfect. And you're pumped up now playing 15 and you're either smashing, you know, in the shortest I ever hit was a four iron, or you're trying to hit a little wood in there. So it's not just, oh, aim and smash it for safety. 
because as I said, you can easily go wrong now. You know, if you turn it over and get a big kick, you're in deep trouble going over that green. And again, then chipping's really difficult up and down. And as you've seen, it's all straight to the water. And then 18, I mean, I sat there with CBS and said and watched 18, and that is way more difficult than you give it credit because it's it's a 10% slope in that fairway. So your legs don't work the same. That's what I kept saying. You've got to have taken basically take an extra couple of practice swings because your legs stop. You they go whoop, and you either do you either go underneath it, block it right, or if you're thinking about it or give it a bit more arm, <laughs> then you go left. So the number of times I could literally see the guy's practice swing and I'd be going, I nudge Nance and go bunker and it bunker, you know, or you know, in the so I could call it. I could tell by the leg action that they hadn't. So that's bit of local knowledge if you're coming up there you've got to say you know there's a, a couple of different different shots but um you know the bottom line there it's it really demands so much doesn't it physical skill um, mental strength strategy um you know all of that which is so, which is so cool what hole do you feel like plays the most different in the modern iteration of pro golf versus when you were playing it, you know, really in the late eighties and early nineties? Well, well, three now, isn't it? Cause three, we, we all laid up and hit this little knockdown. Now they whip it under the green. Yeah. Everybody just pulls driver. You know, what's interesting, Nick, even if you remember, I don't even remember which year it was, maybe Oh eight, Oh nine, sometime around there. But if you remember when tiger was making a bit of a run on Sunday, and Steve, Stevie talked him into hitting driver on three, and that was a real big decision then. You know, that yeah. was 10, yeah. 11, 12 years ago, and I remember Tiger blocked it right, and that was one of the few times you could see he was actually upset with Stevie as they were walking off the tee. But yeah. now, everybody hits driver there. I mean, unless the whole location is in a crazy spot, it feels like everybody's pulling driver. The longer hitters get a – if you get the right flight, get a lovely kick, whoosh, you're up there on the green. And then and they're not afraid – you know, to miss it low left because that is a wicked spot. I mean, that's at least, yeah, it's at least eight feet below the green. And and you, you can't see anything. And, you know, and those guys just get in there and give it one of them a bit of zip <laughs> with their brand new wedges, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, they play that third. We played it very cautiously in our day. You know, it's a very difficult green. So even if sure you'd like to make a three, you think short four, but that one stacks up, doesn't it, every year? It's a bit like one. One and four, one and three, rather, are really tough. They're in the top four or five on the golf course. Um, pretty amazing. So I have to ask you about the Champions Dinner just because I know you're going to get a lot of these questions about how you feel like this might go. I mean, you're an, you're an adult. You guys are adults. This is a very special room maybe the most special room in all of sport, but obviously there's going to be, I don't yeah. want to call it awkwardness, but I mean, let's be honest. There's going to be Bill Mickelson in there and Sergio Garcia. And we've seen some of the comments, Fred couples throwing some barbs out. Sergio's yeah. mentioned some stuff. What do you feel like it'll be when the door's closed? I, I, I hope, I think, as Tiger said, I, I thought uh, this is, this is Scotty Scheffler's evening. This is his, he's the champion. So, you know, to honour him, it should be really like normal. But I got a feeling there's enough old boys there in the room that you know, as you get older, <laughs> old, you get as you get older, you don't care what you say, right? 
uh, somebody's going to have a little sarcastic little dig about something and where hopefully it can stay as uh just little my i'm sure there'll be some jibes and if it's just kept in good humor i don't i, th I think as i said out of respect for a, what this what that dinner is that it wouldn't go any further than that but hey not a hundred percent sure you know as I say jokingly, we we rumor is we're using plastic knives and forks this year, just in case. <laughs> it's like flying. <laughs> who, who do you feel like is most likely to break tension in that room if there is tension floating around? In a good way or a bad way? In a good way. In a good way. Who's gonna who's gonna lighten it for everybody? A good tension, a good tension breaker. Who is well, you know, Jackie's obviously right. <laughs> He's a, Jack's a gentleman, you know, he will it will be as we'd say. I mean, even as and as Tiger had said, "Hey, it's just Scotty's, Scotty's evening." Yeah, I don't know. It's it's there. There is concerns there, but uh, we'll see if we're all big boys or not. You know, when when I go to a nice restaurant, like a really nice restaurant, like I'm going for my anniversary or or something with the wife. I will look online early and kind of dig into the menu and get a feel for what I'm going to order. When the champions menu comes out, are you doing something similar? Are you thinking I'm definitely digging into this? I might avoid that. I'm really excited about this dish. I'm looking forward to dessert. Do you kind of start to slightly like salivate as you go through the menu when it floats around online? I just double check on what uh, Gary Pryor might choke on. What do I do? What's the Heimlich maneuver situation here? Just, just in case. A couple of years ago, we had these fabulous big prawns, you know, and <laughs> and we're like, "You're kidding me! You're not, you're not croaking on us like this." And he's, it, so we all had them, you know. We were laughing about it, but for three seconds, Gary's like, <laughs> "No, I'll just uh, no." I think we looked. It's just usual stories to match. You know, especially with the dessert, mad sugar rush, and you're like, all right, well, I'm going to have to break all my rules about desserts for one day. The wine will be great. They don't see the wine was just delicious, you know, so that's, we'll be fine. We will, we will, uh, we'll have a bit of everything. It'll be good. Yeah, it's just an exciting week. Like I said, I mean, I, I look forward to this week all year long. I get so sad when it's over, and um, I know you feel very similarly uh, for a lot of different reasons. But, Nick, I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for going back down memory lane and then looking yeah. ahead at this Masters because I know it's going to be an exciting one. Do you, do you do picks? Do you ever do picks or no? I do. I do. My, a little bit. It's just quite fun to look because sometimes you – I can go through the list and you you say, well, if they're playing well, you might get 40 guys have a chance. Right. You know, and then you go, um, well, really, then you go straight to, can they handle, have they got the touch or anything? And you might get down to 30 guys. And then it's funny, then you go for mental strength. If they were really on, you know, then they, whoa, then that will come down. And you usually come down to about a dozen that you think are strong enough mentally if they were right in there gonna could could they handle it so you end up a bit like that each, each time it's it's can you pick those 12 guys that you think will be in there very difficult it's, it's such a such a jostle isn't it on at the weekend on you know anything can happen i think you can pick a guys who might finish top five or top six sort of thing but to pick a winner is really tough
I would love to see Jason Day continue the momentum. That's kind of what I keep going back to. He's been playing great. Obviously, he's had a ton of success at Augusta when he was really playing his best golf a few years back. And it would be special, I think, for golf fans to get a little bit of taste of of Jason Day making a run at, at another major championship, if at all possible. But as you said, yeah. who knows? Uh, it'll be a great week and a great champion, no matter who takes it home. Nick, I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Yeah. I'll see you next week. All right. See you out there. Take care. All righty. A humongous thanks to Sir Nick Faldo for his time and for jumping on to chat about the three wins and what he expects this year and the 13th and those crazy clubs he had to hit in. And uh, that was fun. And I enjoyed it probably as much as you enjoyed listening to it. I could listen to Nick talk about Augusta National and the Masters for hours and hours and hours. Thank you so much for your commitment to this podcast. And as I mentioned off the top, we have Scott Van Pelt coming on Tuesday. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. You can rate and review it. All that does is help us out. And uh, if you enjoy it, you know, tell your friends, tell your golfing buddies, and check out the uh, next episode with Scott Van Pelt as we prep more Masters. We're there. We're here. We made it. First major of the year coming your way very soon. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order.